Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right, so today we are starting a series called The Messiah. Now, our heart and our hope of this series is to really draw close to the Spirit of God, to draw close to Him. So the Messiah, He was the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. But the most amazing part of that story is He was not only going to save the Jewish people, but He would be the Savior to the whole world. The whole world, you know, they were kind of like, he's going to come, he's going to help us, but really he helped all of us. So my heart during this series is that we draw near to God as we expect the beauty and love of God that he revealed to us. Because when we look at the story of Jesus and all of that thing, it was a story of love. It was a story of, of pursuing us and caring about us and all those things. But as we go through this series, we're going to look at the waiting, the promise, the preparation, and then finally the child, because I want us to kind of navigate through this, this Christmas, this Bible story of just the promise of, of Jesus and then the fulfillment of that and the preparation. And then we're going to celebrate, hopefully getting closer than we ever have to the story of Jesus through this holiday time. So the love of God, he came down through Jesus, the promised redeemer. So let's come closer than ever before as we unwrap the story of the coming Messiah. And that's going to be the heartbeat of this series that, you know, I don't know what your anticipation is for Christmas, how your holidays usually go, if they're busy, if they're slow, if they're anybody's holidays go slow. I never experienced that. I was like, if it is, I need to spend some time with you, figure out how that works. Usually it's blazing fast, but let's slow down and let's really enjoy um, the part of waiting that we can experience the goodness of who God is. So um, how many of you have ever uh, been excited about an upcoming event? Right? It's something you anticipated, you're excited about it. Now, maybe it's the anticipation of getting up Christmas morning to the anticipation of all of the great gifts under the tree. I know as a child, I would lay in bed, close my eyes and grit my teeth trying to go to sleep because I knew the next morning it's going to be some good stuff showing up, right? Or maybe... It was, a, it was a time where you were graduating from school for the first time, right? We go to school forever when we graduate. That's a big deal. But the anticipation of graduation day or, you know, maybe a wedding day full of excitement, but anxious nerves all at the same time. Like it's the most exciting, but you're like, oh God, what am I doing? Right? You know, like all those feelings that come with that. You know, maybe it was the first day of your new job and you had no clue how to do the job. You ever done that? You're like, I'm going to be great. And you hope you're going to be great, but you don't know what the job entails. But there's that excitement. There's that anticipation. Or maybe it's even the waiting for the day that you would meet your first baby. Waiting for that due date. Right? The anticipation and the expectation and the excitement that rises in the waiting can cause the event actually to be greater. Okay, so a lot of times we get frustrated. How many of you get frustrated with the waiting period sometimes, right? We don't like waiting. We want everything now. But when we look at a period of waiting, it's actually the hardest part, but it's also the most exciting part. Uh, anybody ever watched a TV show that they only dropped episodes once a week? You know, they do that on purpose, right? To build that anticipation. How many of you wait for it to come out and you binge watch all of them? How many of you have ever watched week to week and man, it gets to the end and it's a nail biter and you're like, oh, I got to wait a whole week. So you're just thinking there, you're mulling on it, but it kind of makes it more exciting when they drop the episode, your phone goes, dink, new episode of Mandalorian or whatever, like, right? 
Anybody got hooked on that? Man, I loved it. I was like, keep making them, man. I watch that all day. You didn't like it? Man, you ain't even saved. All right. Just play it. <laughs> hey, I was talking to somebody. They said, well, first service is different than second service. I said, yeah, but second service is cool because we're not streaming. We can do whatever we want. All right. Got it, Jose? We ain't streaming, bro. I'm just playing. Um, but man, you know, the excitement, the anticipation of, of, of something great, it stirs the excitement. And I hope that as we talk about, we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah. Now, as we look at this, we have to understand that these prophetic words spoken a long time back, there was a period of waiting. Okay. So let's look at these passages from Isaiah seven. We're going to look at Isaiah nine, Isaiah 11. So I just want you to jot these down because I'm going to go kind of quick on these and then we'll kind of expound on those. But we're going to look at Old Testament prophecies of what was going to be fulfilled in the New Testament and what has already been fulfilled for us um, but in the fulfilling of a promise, how many of you know that we can be full of emotions, full of feelings, full, full of unexpected horizons? Like it should cause us to anticipate something greater. Now we want to put ourselves in the perspective of the hearers hearing this prophetic word for the first time, you know, because I think a lot of times, you know, we hear the word of the Lord. How many of you have ever received a word from the Lord? And it seems like the waiting period is the hardest time. But we have to understand what God says will happen will come to pass. Right? So let's look at this passage, Isaiah 7, 14. This is the first word in Isaiah. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. And we're going to drop down to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will rule on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this, that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. And then we'll look at Isaiah 11. 1 through 5, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its, his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Verse 2, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness will be a sash around his waist. So can you imagine being the hearers of this prophetic word? And we, we know that Isaiah, he ministered in and around Jerusalem as a prophet from 739 to 686 BC. So that means that these writings of Isaiah were approximately 700 years prior to Jesus's arrival in the gospels. Come on, talk about waiting 700 years, right? I've waited on my wife, but not for 700 years. Right? You know, think about that. How, how many of you like waiting on someone? How many of you are that person that they are waiting on? Right? You know, we see all of these variables like waiting is not something that's the most pleasant. It's not convenient. But in that waiting, there can be an anticipation. There can be an excitement that stirs if we pay attention to what was spoken. 
Because they, weren't, they didn't just say, ah, oh, baby's going to show up and we're not sure what he's going to do or what he's going to look like or what he's going to accomplish. In these passages, there is clarity of, of direction of what he was, was going to be and what he was not. Because if we know what the scripture promises, we know what? What we're looking for. Now, some of you today, maybe you really haven't expounded scripture and you've just kind of tried to say, well, I know Jesus died on the cross. But if we look closely at the scripture, understand that the titles and the names that God gives people, they are not insignificant. Just like the names that he gave to Jesus when he listed them, these names are important. We have to pay attention to what he said because these names are who he is. Okay? But we don't want to wait for this promise. We, we want to experience this promise because we're, we're not back 700 years plus, you know, like we're not way, you're not, you know, 220, 2023 years into this, right? You know, like it's not like we are waiting. We are on the other side of waiting, but we want to learn what they experienced in the waiting to kind of increase our appetite for what we can experience this holiday Christmas season. There should be an anticipation. I hope week after week after week, you're like, Lord, show me more of you. Help me reveal, help, help reveal yourself to me in a way that I never understood. We want to grasp the depths of what God had in mind when he sensed the savior of the earth in the form of a baby in a manger in an insignificant way for a very specific purpose. We want to grab a hold of that and, you know, that everything we focus on, everything we see, that we begin to see clearer the purpose of the coming Messiah. Let us draw closer. Let us draw nearer than we ever have. Maybe this Christmas will be different than it's ever been. Can you think about the ones just for a moment that never got a chance to see the, the promise fulfilled? You know, 700 years, it's like, well, all right. Uh, after a hundred years, tag, you're it. I'm going to go to heaven. You sis, you stand, watch, tag, stand, you stand, watch. And there were many people that didn't get to see it. Many, many died prior to seeing that. It may have seemed like it was taking forever. But in a moment of time, everything would change. Many were left waiting, but there were some that saw the prophecy come to pass. And we're on the other side of the, of the, of the story where we, we know the full story of Jesus, not just in the manger, but on the cross. So when we see the significance of the manger, we also know that it had to start at the manger before it got to the cross. And we just see the beauty of love truly coming down for you and I in the promise of Messiah and that he loved us. But it was all part of God's master plan to redeem the world. You know, I think of when this, when you know, I, I just, just my own visual, it's not doctrinal or anything like that, but I just think about God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, because they were all together, you know, and, you know, man messes it up and they're sitting in heaven. And, you know, I think about when God says, man, we need to send somebody that will redeem the world of all of their sins, but they had to be perfect. They had to be spotless. They had to be sinless, right? All of these things. And I just imagine Jesus saying, daddy, I'll go. Because he loved us so much, and even to the point of death, that he was willing to not just give his life and come in. The, you know, he, he really re revoked his crown of heavenly glory, and he came and he was born in a manger, cattle trough, right? Mud and flies and ook and gook everywhere. Like, it, it wasn't a glorious entry. There was nothing significant or amazing, and yet this was the king of all glory, just coming and loving us for the redemption of the world. He would come. And all the time, God had us in mind by sending his one and only son for us.
Man, it's a powerful story. This is the God that we serve. But we want to focus all of our attention on the true reason for the season, and that was Jesus. Understand this, Jesus is the greatest gift. We can fill our homes with all kinds of gifts imaginable. If you don't believe me, just Google Christmas gifts on Amazon and see what comes up. There's a million and a half gifts, right? But if we miss the gift of Jesus, we'll be left empty and longing for something more. There's nothing that you might for a moment say, man, this is great, it's always what I wanted. Two weeks later, the excitement and the zeal for whatever that gift was is gone. And we're left empty once again, unless we truly receive the true gift of salvation. The, the, the true gift of hope, which was given through Jesus. Jesus is the true gift of Christmas. Nothing more and nothing less. If you're, if you're searching for satisfaction in anything besides Jesus, you will never find the hope that you're looking for. Just give me your millions instead, okay? <laughs> you're not going to find it. Like, you know, not enough money in the world to try to buy happiness and to, to, to meet all of those needs that really God desires to fill. All right. So the waiting on that initial prophecy of the conquering king, you know, it began in the book of Isaiah where that promise is made of a child being born. So we're going to look at this morning, what can we learn from that prophetic word as we wait in the waiting? In that waiting period, what can we learn? What can we glean from them? What can we, what can we focus on to help us grow our anticipation for Christmas morning as we celebrate Jesus? But in that passage, it starts out, it says, a child will be born from a virgin. This will be a sign to us. So God does not just say, hey, uh, just take my word for it. He actually reveals his plan. You know, I think about all the ones waiting. You know, can you imagine, you know, that the, the, the shepherds that came, they were the first to see and they arrived and they saw the star and they said, you know, this will be a sign. They had heard the prophetic word, but can you imagine when the day finally comes when the Messiah King has been born? Man, I think about all the anticipation. Could this be it? Is this the moment that they, we've been waiting for our whole lives? The generation after generation had promised the hope to come. And this is the moment we begin to, begin to experience it where heaven truly came to earth. Man, is this really it? Let's go see. And then they go and they see the Messiah King in a manger. This was the sign. This was the evidence. This was the proof. This was the child of promise that they waited and waited and waited 700 years for. Can you imagine if your grandma, great, 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 great grandma, grandpa told you that this was going to come and then you're the one that experiences it? We get to experience that today. What I want you to know, there is no longer a waiting that we have to pursue, but we can really experience the fullness of God today. We can experience the fullness of Jesus coming, but we can learn so much from that waiting period. So this was the, the beginning of the unwrapping of God's amazing plan. And it said that he would be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That God would actually come in the flesh and be all God and all man. And you even had people in the gospels that said, we want to see the father. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. In the way I act, in the way I talk, in my carrying of the presence of God, he was given everything from God to be his direct representation to us. But he came that God, we would see God and we would feel God. And, you know, I think this is, this is the time, the, the closest possible from the time in the Garden of Eden where somebody got to walk with God again. 
Man, can you imagine? Man, this is the one. Like the woman at the well, come see the one that told me everything I've done. Everything I was, everything I did. But understand this, when we experience God, we don't, really, we don't leave the same way we came. Everything changes in that moment. I can guarantee you when the shepherds left, they left changed. He didn't have to die on the cross for there to be a change. When you get in pro close proximity to the power of God, you change. Now, I hope that power leads you to the cross because the cross is where we receive that freedom and that covering of sin. But it's at that place of exposure to his presence that leads us into his presence. That leaves us hungry for more. To be passionate for the things of God and not to settle for stupid things under the tree. Are we pursuing God and wanting God just like our top five Christmas list? Maybe we are, maybe we're not. We're like, man, I want this. I can't live without this. No, you can't live without God. You can live without things and possessions. And most of the times we're so concerned about worldly temporal things, but we should really be worried about where's our relationship with God? Where's the Messiah in all this Christmas stuff, right? You know, I was walking around Walmart. Man, they do a great job at marketing, you know? They made me want to buy stuff I never knew existed. Everybody in there is like, man, I need one of those. And you're thinking this, right? When's the last time we thought about needing God just like that? Man, this is good stuff. I need God more than that. Like the air I breathe, like my next meal, you know, coming out of hunger pains. Like, how many of y'all anticipating some tacos tonight? Because you know what it tastes like. You know what's coming. It's like that. When we know that we have tasted and seen that God is good, why would we not want more of him? And we're going to say, I'm going to show up for that. I'm going to taste and I'm going to see. And he is going to be good, right? That should be our anticipation. In those moments of waiting, in those moments of tasting, in those moments of seeing, that we truly get to experience God in his fullness. But it started in the waiting. It started in that manger. It started at the beginning. God's heart was always to be in connection with his people. He was always concerned about relationship and restoring the broken things in our life. I hear so many times that people are always feel like God's a bad God and a hard God. And how, you know, how do I know? God's, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, if God's such a good God, why would he fill in the blank, right? If he really loved you, would he let... You know, I hear all this all in me. These are lies from the pit of hell because it's the same thing the devil said. But we know that God really loved us to the point of death by sending his own son. That he proved his love for us on the cross. That his whole plan to send Jesus wasn't a redemption of his people so that we could be in close proximity to him. So why would we wait for what has already arrived? Why would we take, you know, it's like, why, you know... If God's going to offer you a first-class seat, why are you going to take a second-class seat when he wants you right next to him? Right? Well, you know, Pastor. No! It's a gift and, a, and, a, and something that God has given us personally. But Jesus was going to be all God. He was going to be all man. It said that God, that, that the government would rest on his shoulders. The structure and the stability of all things would rest on him alone. The authority of God would be given and released by him. In John 1, 3, and 5, it says, Through him, and all, th uh, sorry, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made 
It was talking about Jesus. He had always been involved in releasing the authority and the power. God was going to use the son to release his authority in the earth. Now, this child of waiting was given specific names. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. So this child, he would have supernatural wisdom. He would, he would, ha- he would be a powerful warrior. Now, now, I don't think in the way that the people thought, well, he's just going to come and when he's going to show up, we're going to be free and we're going to just be able to do what we want. But it was going to be a different kind of freedom. It was going to be a spiritual kingdom with a spiritual freedom that could set all those in bondage free. And it says that he would be a father to his people eternally and that he would really spread peace among the nations of the world. And we've seen that in missions. There there are countries all over the face of the earth that have experienced the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He really accomplished that. He really, you know, it's the same Jesus. Every tribe and tongue and nation, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, well, we serve a different God. It's the same God. It's the same Jesus, the deliverer of that peace. So he is who he says he is. It says that he would rule over David's throne and be a descendant of the tribe of Jesse, who would rule with justice and righteousness. So just like God never changes, the Messiah will be steadfast steadfast and faithful in all that he sets out to do. He never wavered. I mean, I, he kind of, I guess if you want to call the, the Garden of Gethsemane a little bit of grumbling and complaining, but who wouldn't? When God says, give up your life and go get crucified on the cross for a sinful people, like, I mean, I'm like, uh, like a little moan or groan or something like, you know, but he, he always was obedient to everything that he set out to do. He would rule the earth, but he would also be from heavenly descent. So he would, have, he, would, he would rule and reign from David's throne, but he also had a heavenly kingdom of authority that was released to him on the earth. John 17, 4, it says that he brought glory to the Father by doing and finishing all the work that he gave them to do. So he will always be faithful to complete all that Father God instructed him to do. It wasn't accident. It wasn't happenstance. It was on purpose. It was his passionate commitment that would cause all this to happen. We know it's probably like 10 years ago where the passion of the Christ came out. That word passion, it, you know, that whole story is driven by his love for you and I. It's longer than 10 years. How long ago is it? Long? 20 years? And we're getting old. I don't know. It was a long time ago where it was like, man, should we watch that? Is that allowed? You know, you know, that was one of the first really Christian movies, you know, it was rated R for violence. But how can you package up the cruelty of the passion of Christ in a way that's child approved? Like you can't do that. You can't mix that because it was gruesome. It was horrific. But it was a, it was a representation of, of unconditional, unwavering love under the point of death on a cross. But this is all who he was, that he completed the work. He was steadfast. He was focused. And, but it was that passionate commitment to, to cause all these things to happen. Can you feel the excitement you know, that they must have felt when the, the unraveling of the promised Messiah began to unravel? When all of these things come to pass... How many of you this morning have received a promise from God that you're waiting on? I hope that in the moment of that promise, there is a stirring expectation of it to come to pass. 
that we don't just celebrate when it comes to pass, but we are even celebrating in the waiting. Right? It's, a, it's one thing to be like, yes, I finally got it. Celebrate. Like, you know, like, but it's not, I'm talking about right now when you don't have the promise in your hand, when all you have is a word and a hope and a scripture to stand on and you say, God's word has to be good enough. Because my God is a promise keeper. He's not going to lie. He's not going to hype me up, but he is going to fulfill his promise every single time. If he's done it in the past, he's going to do it in the present and the future. That my God is a God who can faithfully uh, do what he said he's going to do. But can you, can you imagine? I mean, even at the time, oh, God said he's going to do it. I can't wait to see it. In the moment of waiting, not in the moment of promise. So I don't know where you're at today in, in, your, in your promise versus you're receiving the fulfillment of that promise. But today you have to stand on the promise that God has made to you with anticipation. Man, maybe tomorrow's the day. Lean in with expectation. If we don't lean in, we're not going to experience the power of the waiting. Walk around like the Grinch just stole Christmas till the promise comes. What kind of faith is that, right? We want to be excited. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. I don't know when, but it's on the way. Anybody ever had delayed shipping? Man, I hate that. It got stuck somewhere in Timbuktu. You're like, man, I hope it shows up by Christmas. Right? I hate that when it gets, you're, you're watching, ooh, it's closer, it's closer, and then it just derails. Anybody ever got the one? Your package is lost. It's like, how does it get lost? Where is it? It got resent to the distributor. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Two days before Christmas, game over, right? You know, like, but, you know, we're, we're expecting. But guess what? When it, the order is sent, it's on the way. When God says it, it's on the way, it's in the works. Thank God that some of the promises haven't taken 700 years. Right, well, that's, the, that's the gratitude we gotta rest in. It's like, cause if it has 700 years, my children, children, children are gonna see it, not me. But there have been promises that God has made that we will see in this lifetime. Let's with waiting and anticipation and excitement, wait for that moment of where God gives us the gifts and we get to unravel them. You know, I know, uh, Man, it, it, you know, at our house and the pierces, they always wrap gifts in boxes that aren't what is in the box. And you all do that, man? I'll open it and be like a foot warmer. And I'm like, what are you talking about a foot warmer? And I'm all mad, but they're like, no, 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 that's not what's in there. Dig a little bit deeper. God will give you a gift, but if you sometimes just look on the outside, it's way better when you actually open it. I think sometimes you look at it, you're like, oh, that's it, man. I know as a probably little ratty punk kid, like it was like this, like, that's it, socks. Dig a little deeper. Maybe there's something. More. They know we don't want socks when we're a kid. But you get up past the socks and then you get to the real gift because the socks were just the padding for what was really, really great. God is giving us great things. Put a little bit of work. Change your attitude. Expect something great. You know, I know as parents, sometimes we try to get good gifts and we fall short, right? We're like, man, they, they don't like it. You know you spend a lot of money. So expect them to like it. Guess what? God is the perfect gift giver. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and he knows that it's going to satisfy you above, uh, abundantly above anything you could hope or imagine for. He doesn't give dud gifts. You're like, oh, man, God, you gave me this gift? Come on. Don't nudge your spouse. It took, it took a little bit to get down. All right. Um, so we have to know that every gift that we get from God is a good gift. Sometimes we don't know. How much is in that gift? You know, I was telling the story first service. Uh, when I was younger, I had uh, guitar pedals. Like it's kind of, we didn't got one here. We got one over here. Okay. So these these guitar pedals, they are crazy intense. Like if you try to figure it out without the manual, guess what? You're never gonna figure it out. 
You can kind of punch a few buttons and be like, hey, that's cool, but you will continually discover new things. The gifts and the things that God gives us have to continually be discovered. How do we discover these gifts and callings and all of these things that God has for us? We have to look at what? The owner's manual. Right? I know a lot of times, like, man, I didn't even know it did that. You start reading the manual, you start learning all this cool stuff that that, that, that gift has to offer. When we read the scripture, it begins to unravel and unpack all of the good things that God has for us. And a lot of those things, it's like batteries included. It's included in the gift. We're like, oh, that's it? No, it's way more than that. Keep digging in. Because those gifts God wants to give us, we need to anticipate those things that God has given us. Learn to be content with those things. So it says that this, the, the, Jesus, he would be full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would actually rest on him, making him full of unlimited wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So he would be given the Holy Spirit without measure. This is an awesome guy to be around. Without measure, full of the Holy Spirit, all God, yet all man. Said that he would not judge with his natural eyes and ears, but he would judge the poor and the needy with justice. He will strike the earth with a rod in his mouth and the breath of his lips. The words he would speak would actually cause repentant hearts, and he would, he would cause a burning in the hearts of those who would hear him. There's a story in Luke 24, 32. It was on the road to Emmaus. This was after Jesus had already raised from the dead. But they were talking to Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they began to talk about Scripture. And as he unraveled the Scripture, it says that their hearts would begin to burn with passion. Then he disappeared. Talk about anticipation, right? Then later they realized, man... Did we not know that as he talked to us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us, did we not realize that our hearts began to burn with something inside? They began to change and it began to mold and it would stir faith to believe for something real. Now this morning, I'm here to tell you that there are some of you in the room that are already beginning to stir with passion and excitement and you don't know how to contain it. You don't contain it, you just embrace it. And you allow it to change your life. And sometimes you just got to let that stuff out. It's like a soda can. You start shaking that joker up. Sometimes you just got to open it up. There's no neat way to open it, right? But you have to embrace what God is doing in your life. The, the, the desire that he wants to have you in a relationship with him. And in this waiting, in this anticipation of Christmas morning, of getting closer to Christ as we journey through this Messiah series, that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. That any preconceived idea would be thrown out that we would really see him for who he really is. And have a desire to truly know the things of God. Not to just know him, but to be known by him. You know, people, we walk by the road, but, you know, in, in, in Bay City, there's some, we walk by people all the time and we say hi. But how many of you know there's some that we really, really know? What's up, Robert? What's up, James? What's up, Becky? Right? You know, there's, there's close proximity to those we know. Can you imagine being known by God like that where we don't? He just doesn't know us in passing, but he really knows us, knows us. Then we grow in that relationship. This is the type of relationship that he wants. Not disconnected, but connected. That was the whole point. That Jesus could restore that which was broken and that which was lost. That which was separate. But it says, righteousness and faithful is who he is. He is always right, and he's always going to do what he says he's going to do. Right? Always going to do it. 
I know my heart begins to stir with passion and excitement and zeal as I try to wrap my mind around all the emotions and the feelings of the wise men that maybe watched. Man, I bet even the cows pick their head up while chewing the curd and we're like, huh? The Messiah is here. Because when the Messiah shows up, everything changes. You know, I wonder if uh, all creation stopped in the moment of his coming. Why would we be in such a hurry and just pass by in our stupid busyness that we would miss God's greatest gift to us? So I don't know what your holiday season looks like. I don't know what your schedule looks like, but I'm going to ask you to chill it out and to make room for what matters most. Let your time, let your focus, let your days uh, be intentionally focused on experiencing the Messiah. Of telling your children of the greatest gift ever given. The greatest thing we've ever received or, you know, I, I was reading something the other day and it said, you know, don't, don't just try to get your kids the gifts that you never had. Tell them what you wish you would have known. Man, it's totally different. Don't get them gifts that you wish you had. Tell them the things you wish you would have known. It's powerful. Let me tell you, when I was little, I thought gifts were the most important thing. Maybe I thought sin was cool for a while. I mean, I don't know. Like, tell them all the stuff you wish you would have known in a goal to cause them to avoid any pitfalls from anything. You know, it's okay if my, if my kids trip and fall, but I, I'll be darned if they trip and fall on the same things I'm tripping and falling over because I got the revelation of how to avoid those things now, right? So what is our response this morning? What do we do? I know that those in the Old Testament, they had to wait, but for each of us, we don't have to wait any longer. The time of waiting is over. Um, today, God is drawing the hearts of his people. He wants to stir you with hope and faith. Psalms 95, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Open your ears. God has sent us the greatest gift. Don't wait for something better. Um, I think a lot of us, and, and, I, and you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not sitting here judging everybody who's saved and who's not saved, but if you're waiting for something better than Jesus, you're not going to find it. Well, I'm just waiting, Pastor. Waiting for something. What, what are you waiting for? There is nothing better than Jesus. Nothing else matters, you know. Not a paycheck, not a girlfriend, boyfriend, not a house, not a car. There, there, there's nothing in this world that's going to matter more than your relationship with the Lord. So what are you waiting for? I know that today he's not waiting any longer, but he's, he's drawing the hearts of his people to a place of close proximity to where we will only be satisfied with him. Hey, we really have to apologize for uh, areas in our life where we've truly loved other things more than God. Because we're guilty of it. You could do, you know, man, what a, heard some on KSBJ. I know a lot of people don't like KSBJ every now and then they say some good stuff, but uh, it was talking about what if you got to heaven and your family and your friends and all of the good things, life were there, uh, but Jesus wasn't there. Would you be okay with that? Because if you are okay with that, you're more in love with the world than you are with God. And I thought about it. My wife, 
my kids and my grandparents, my family, all of the things that I value. Because family is a valuable thing, right? But if all of those things are there and I would be satisfied, but Jesus wasn't, then that shows that I'm more in love with the things of the world than I am with the things of God. So we have to recalibrate that, right? And some of us are going to have to apologize. Say, heck yeah, I've loved God. I've loved my kids more than I've loved you. Change that in my heart. Change that perspective that I would love you first and then everything else would fall second tier in our lives. Can you stand up with me? Where is your relationship with the Lord today? Psalms 113.5, it says, Who is like our God, the one who sits on high? There is nobody like our God. And it's time we start living like that. Man, there ain't nobody. Let me, tell you about my, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my Savior. Let me tell you about the one that came in a, major, in a manger as a conquering king. Right? You walking around Walmart like you happy and on cloud nine. And people are like, man, why are you all happy? Tell them the hope to which we have. Man, because if you're just walking around for a shopping gift or last minute gift, you ain't going to be walking around that happy. Christmas time for the wrong reason is hard work. But Christmas time with the right focus and the right meaning, man, it leaves us full of hope. So this morning, I don't know where your relationship is with the Lord, but you know, and God knows. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. I do not want anybody leaving this place without a chance to make sure that your relationship with the Lord is intact. But if you were to die right now, you know that you'd be welcomed into the presence of God. There, there would be no shame. There would be no unconfessed sin. That today you would be in right standing with God. That today would be the day of renewed salvation. I'll tell you what, if, if, if the only time I got saved and needed saving was the first day I committed to follow the Lord, I would have missed the, the whole uh, principle of grace and forgiveness. Because let me tell you what, that's been applied in my life over my lifetime. Not just a one and done covered by the blood of Jesus, thank you, Lord. But a continual trust, a continual dependence. But it does have to start initially at a starting point. So today, for those of you in the room, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Your time is waiting. Your time of waiting is over. God wants all of you. How do you know if that's you? Man, right now, you're, you're all kinds of nervous. You're like so ready for me to dismiss this service and get out of here because you're super uncomfortable. Trust me, I was there. But if you know that's you, as I begin to pray for you, I just want you to come forward. Just let them know. Say, man, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. Or, hey, my relationship with the Lord is non-existent. It's just been in my head. It hasn't been in my heart. And today I want to give him my life. I trust in who he is. And this will be the day everything changed. You're going to have a Christmas like no other. For those of you who know God and are God followers, Man, let's live like it and let's experience the fullness of what God has for us. And maybe you just need a fresh outpouring of his goodness. Maybe you just need a fresh outpouring of his grace. I'll tell you what, this morning, whatever you have need of, Father God has it available. There's no longer a time of waiting, but the time is now. Amen? Let me pray for you. If you want to respond to the altar call or you need specific prayer, go ahead and come up. I'm going to pray for you and then I'll, I'll dismiss you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you say all we have to do is believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that you're Lord. Father, there is some forgiveness that's going to need to be asked for just stupid things we've done, fleshy things that we've done. But God, it is nothing that the cross can't handle. Father, I pray that today, if there is anyone here that is just weighed down by the sin or the cares of life, that today they would come to your cross. And Father, they would receive forgiveness and acceptance and just a grace like no other. Father, I thank you 
Father, that you didn't just cover some sin, but you covered all sin. And Jesus, you didn't only do partial work, but you did a completed work on the cross. So that today we could stand as the righteousness of Christ in right standing with you, being marked as your sons and daughters. So Father, I pray that as we go from this place, as we wait for Christmas morning in anticipation of all of the good things that you're going to reveal and you're going to show us this Christmas season, Father, let us experience the fullness of you. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. And Father, I have come to know that there's no better place to be than to be in the house of the Lord. So Father, I pray you bless your people that you'd strengthen strengthen them. Father, tonight as many of us join together just celebrating, serving together, Father, that it would just be full of your presence. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.